Welcome back to the show. Anyways, I didn't like that intro. Hey, <laughs> hey, welcome back to the show, everybody. It's the regular volume podcast. Uh, your parents watch this brought to you by comedy here often. I'm your host, Brad Semituck here with uh, Key and Beatty and guest Stephen Darnell. Also speaking at a regular volume. <laughs> I was going to whisper and I lost my nerve. Man, this is <laughs> such a bad way to intro it. <laughs> no, We're not doing cool. this again. We're not doing it again. Continue. What movie are we watching? I thought it was cool. It was no. a fucking Actually, hey, wait. Before we announce the movie, can I announce something else? Yeah, give me an announcement. Uh, we got our first uh, review, written review on iTunes. Yep. That was not written by me. So this is a very big day. I'd like to read it on the show. Please do. Uh, it comes from Kayla Anu. Hold on. I have not read this or checked any of our podcast stuff in like three months so one review is from me i gave it five stars the other review i just really like this show the other review is from kyla anu she says uh hate it bad words she rated it one star so oh. i think it's good that we have some uh we have a divisive podcast are a lot you of fucking opinions kidding me this. bitch <laughs> are you kidding me i'd like to give it up for uh, our fan kayla anu for taking you thought i'm out to rate this show you Okay, whatever. That's fine. I'm not mad about that. I'm not even pissed. That's cool. I think it's nice that you said that about my fucking good-ass podcast that we bleep all the swears out of. What's our average rating now? Uh, right now we're at 4.4 uh, 4 out of 5 stars. Okay. What? Who's doing the math on that? There's two podcast ratings? Well, there's 14 ratings, but only two people had the balls to no. comment, me being one of them gotcha. and this lady being the other one. All right. All right. Well, if you guys disagree with uh, the too much profanity thing, please give us five stars and say, I love profanity. But if you agree with the too much profanity thing, shut the fuck up, dumbass. There's a thousand movie podcasts in the world. Go li read a Roger Ebert thing. Yeah, watch uh, some fucking NPR, you fucking coward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah baby. Yeah. We should start being really... Anyway. Yeah, let's start. Let's turn this into a fuck your feelings movie review podcast. a bunch of dick-licking chode suckers. <laughs> <laughs> My hey. movie review doesn't care about your feelings yeah, yeah yeah but let me tell you this you accidentally just rubbed my chair with your leg and so now i have to grant you three wishes what are your three wishes um i don't know to be further away from your chair leg so shit like this doesn't happen again all right we can do that um i don't know for you to uh <laughs> that's me pushing you away with my foot okay now describe your outfit for the viewers I'm wearing a Hawaiian shirt over top of a Newport cigarettes shirt. Uh, hardest outfit on the podcast <laughs> so far. Thank you for acknowledging it. I was going to have to bring it up. I'm glad I didn't. Also, yeah, we're watching Aladdin. Yeah, Aladdin. I got to bring up the IMDb page for this movie. Steven, do you have any feelings about this movie? Because this was your pick for us. I got, uh, I got a lot of feelings, but the, the, main, the primary feeling is conflict because... I have so many more movies that mean more to me as a person. And yet you picked Aladdin. And yet I picked Aladdin, um, which I, yeah, I, I wanted to bring up like uh, Dances with Wolves, which is legitimately better than Goodfellas. Or, That's uh, an insane so movie to compare Goodfellas to, a non-mob movie. They both uh, Excuse were up me, for... on this podcast, we only compare it Goodfellas to Casino or Scarface. Uh, I mean, it is... Pro well, no, I like Casino. Um, <laughs> but uh, I picked Aladdin because I decided uh, when I came to guest on this show that I wanted to focus on the... Rather than talking about the movie, the 10 minutes at the end where you just talk about what this taught the parents, yes. that's all I want to talk all about. All right, baby, we'll buckle up. And I up. think Aladdin is loaded with lessons that uh, shaped a generation, in one way, or at least reflected a generation in one way or another. 
So that's my main thought. Other than that, I will add, it's a really good movie. Like, well, I don't think it's, uh, like, I don't personally connect to it like I do anything with Tomahawks. It's, uh, it's like, was a masterfully edited. It really moves. Every scene establishes character and moves the plot forward. Uh, the songs were good. The voice acting was top-notch. Um, the animation was some of, at the time, probably the best animation that had ever taken place and still holds up to some of the best animation I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah I, I got to say, while we're on the Casino thing, like I liked this movie for the same exact reasons I liked Casino. The colors are beautiful. It looks nice. Great songs. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I don't know. I got to I'm one thing I'm learning from this podcast is I got a weird taste. Yeah, man. The but, only movies I've liked so far are Class of 1984, Casino and Aladdin. You're a very sensory man. You know, like you base your feelings <laughs> off. Yeah, of I got like some podcasts on sound. color theater. <laughs> color theory you're going to love. If you could smell or taste a movie, man, that would be your favorite. If you could touch, <laughs> if you could touch Goodfellas. Yeah, dude, if this DVD was a scratch and sniff, it would be over. It would be the end of the cinema. podcast. Actually, they ha did you know they released American Sniper on sna scratch and sniff DVD? Yeah, 4D smell vision Yeah, it just smells like balls. <laughs> <laughs> Most of what being in the army is, it's just smelling another man's balls <laughs> and the blood of your victims i do think this is cool that it was the first non-animated uh kids movie that disney made the first non-animated yeah what it, what it's like it's not animated it's like there's real guys in it in aladdin yeah the whole cast is real guys did you <laughs> did you watch the, watch the will aladdin smith movie? version no i watched the 1992 version <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's not animated what are you talking about? What do you mean? It just it looks like the mo it looks really realistic to me. I I didn't think it was animated. So like the tiger that was like <laughs> hugging her and making facial expressions. The monkey no. that got turned into her into an elephant. You're like that's really impressive. When the genie that they were pulled pull his own head off. off, rotated it three times, and put it back on. You're like Robin Williams, pretty good at sleight of hand. Practical effects in this movie are off the charts. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? Right? What it's are the you same, talking about? It's right the same now. effects as Jurassic Park, dude. They're both not animated you wouldn't call <laughs> jurassic park animated this is like the most confusing hill you've chosen to die on <laughs> I, I thought that would be a funny bit to do <laughs> on the show well you can't do bits like that where it's like does he really believe this <laughs> you have to like because we know what that does that don't say know. about your opinion of me that, that you thought low, bro when yeah. it comes to movies <laughs> that this was you just be... told me you like this movie and casino because of the lights and the colors <laughs> like you don't get to go off of that and do, take some smart satire stance, you know? Like, that's just how you feel about movies, dude. This is going to be my first point in your inevitable intervention. You're like, Brad, you weren't able to tell that Aladdin was a cartoon. It just looked really realistic to me. I guess they just really nailed the, the animation. Whatever you're doing, dial it back. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, the the animation in this did look like good as hell, though. Like oh. I honestly, I don't love because uh, I got into a big like Disney kick a while ago. I, I'm sure I've talked about how much I love theme parks on this podcast before, but you know, theme a lot of the cool. a lot of the YouTube documentaries about Disney really give like credit to like these movies in particular. Talk about like, oh, you know, like say what you want about Disney, but like there's no one better in terms of animation. I'd always be like bullshit. You know, like there's other better animation out there, and then you watch shit like this, and you're like, oh, they are the best. Yeah, they are I, excellent. There's uh, this Vulture article came out uh, six months or so ago about the 100 greatest animated scenes in 
the history of animation yeah. and it is ridiculous like it was really cool just to see the history and it made me appreciate how hard it is to do what they're doing in this movie and how incredible it looks it's nuts like the each step forward was mad. like it looks so much better than beauty and the beast which came out uh the year before yeah i, think. I don't know how beauty and the beast looks uh you know i can't remember that off the top of my head but i did watch snow white kind of recently yeah and the animation that like it, it still looked awesome in that but like holy shit it was like so bouncy and lively in this mm -hmm. uh they they had a lot of like really interesting like just camera shots and stuff like that like stuff kind of like really more filmmaking aspect to it but like god damn this movie was just like very well shot i think it's really funny that when you say you got into disney a while back you don't mean you watched disney movies you mean yeah. you got into the mechanics of the roller coasters <laughs> yeah. at disney yeah <laughs> i don't think yeah. you got into disney I dude into i think the, you got into gears i got into the logistics behind <laughs> disney man like i got into all the different ceos i'm a big bob Iger fan i like the risks he took with the company but like i really don't know a single thing about disney movies of that era read some stuff about cryogenics yeah and, uh, exactly shit like that you know like the parties walt disney used to throw back in the 30s that's the yeah. stuff that's the disney i'm into hey um so since we're doing a disney thing right everybody knows big corporation right everybody no. also knows this is a leftist podcast so to prepare i did google the phrase what bad things has disney done <laughs> um, and i i read a listicle on yahoo.com listicle a listicle which is you know what those are. It's a cross between a list and a testicle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I read a listicle. It's called Disney's 27 Biggest Controversies. And then I was like, I'm not even going to watch the movie. I'm just, <laughs> we're just going to talk about this. Um, so, yeah, everybody knows. Um, the main thing I found out, actually, though, is like that's a super popular Google search. Yeah. A lot of people are looking up what bad things has Disney done. Because they know that there's one of them. Yeah, they so know they, it's... they have to have done something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Disney didn't just like skirt by scot free. It's just funny to me that because like I typed what bad things and then the first suggestion was has Disney done? Damn. A lot of people are anyway. So he went. He loved the Nazis, but it's like you know he was a rich guy in the thirties. Yeah, you, you know, know we, fucking we boring. figured. Um, his brother's name was Roy, which strike like, one. <laughs> Honestly, dude, if my name was one letter away from Waltz and my brother's name was Roy, I would be so pissed. Can I just confirm that loving the Nazis was not strike one? <laughs> <laughs> that that one was a given. We knew uh, we made peace with how much he loved the Nazis so that before was we watched. No pitch either way. I knew he was from the 30s, bro. I knew he was going to have feelings about the Nazis. Okay. Plus, like, yeah, his main th thing. Like, I think everybody knows that about Walt Disney at this point. But it's like nobody knows that his brother was like a cool manly construction worker and he was like making finger sandwiches for the tea party. Like that's what his name sounds like. Um, also this one's insane. I'm quoting it directly. Disney pushed lemmings off a cliff and created a popular myth. Oh yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Real life. Do you, you want to talk about it? Uh, well, I assumed you guys wouldn't know about that. Oh, no, sorry. I got that one dialed. Oh, that's insane. <laughs> How do you know about this? Disney used to shoot. They're really fun to watch these nature documentaries in the 50s where they just like send people up to uh, um, northern Canada or like just the wilds of uh, North America and shoot nature doing stuff. Mm -hmm. But they wanted to create stories. They didn't just want to say, here's an elk for 20 minutes. They needed a story. And at some point, um, they chased a bunch of lemmings off a cliff. 
and filmed it and then we're like yeah that's what lemmings do they just jump off cliffs for some reason that's, and that yeah. became a widely repeated fact so here's the thing though is um actually they didn't chase them off the cliff the filmmaker threw them off the cliff <laughs> one by one oh. and they edited it to make it look like they were all jumping <laughs> and then in uh in 1983 the cbc came out and like told everyone it was faked uh, and the, they were actually bought by Disney from Inuit children and then thrown off the cliff. And, um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's The public we, was fooled by that, it's though. It's such a weird one to fake, too. Like, what if we had the lemmings all kill themselves for no reason? People were like, yeah, let's go with, like, that's not obvious at all. Like, yeah. that's a random nonsense that everyone bought. Oh, sorry. That's okay. Yeah, it is a weird thing to fake, but it's also insane because, like, I remember talking about that in school. Yeah, no, like, everyone I, believed that. It was a widely known factoid. Like, I remember being in fucking science class. Yeah. My teacher's like, lemmings, they love killing themselves. Well, yeah, I mean, they get into killing themselves. They made lemmings. the video game Lemmings based off yeah, that I was, fact I, that lemmings you, will walk off of a cliff if you let them. Uh, you want to know another, this is true, well, he was filming one of those uh, nature documentaries in Alberta, like in Jasper or Banff, as a thank you to the province of Alberta for letting him film, he quickly sketched a beaver, and that beaver is Birdie the Beaver and remains the, the mascot of Alberta Forestry to this day. Wild. Is that the one that's dressed like, to, like a cop? Kind of. He's got like a flat, like uh, I I, paleontologist I, hat and a jacket. Sort of a red It's not really cop-like, I don't think. No. Oh, okay, because I was going to say let's fucking get him, but I guess we'll give him a pass. Um, hey, one time uh, they didn't allow a... Uh, oh, hey, uh-oh. What? I just found this. Oh, hello. Yep, that's him, all right. Birdie the Beaver. Doing, yeah. You want to describe that pose, Bradley? Oh, that's. I didn't even notice that oh, shit. He's doing a bit of a Walt Disney's favorite pose uh, from the 1930s. He's hailing somebody, and it's not a cab. <laughs> I'd say he's probably hailing somebody, to be honest with you. Correcting <laughs> <Exactly>. my German <laughs> pronunciation? <laughs> I don't and, know. He, and he looks like, like he's biting his upper lip like he's being like you know like cutesy about it yeah like yeah, yeah. ooh, am, did i hail him <laughs> did i hail hitler trying to get someone uh, some kids into a youth group which youth group we won't say uh yeah this was like this might be the first movie we've watched for the podcast that i like that made me like happy as i was watching it like i was just smiling you usually just... i just sit through a movie and i'm like when the fuck will this be over? I hate it. I want to die. Even if I like the movie, I'm like, I want this to so be done. So what about it made you smile? What triggered that childlike sense of wonder for you? I think it was the combination of the singing and um, just like how pretty they made the desert look. So would you say oh, yeah. you're a musical guy after this movie? Well, no, because I like I can't let myself do that. I no. just I can't become a guy who likes this you've shit. Gotta, you've got to give in. This is the beginning of a new stage in your life where you're a musical and or an animation guy. Because a lot of people like those two things who can't handle normal stuff because it's like hyper-realism. Yeah. It takes them out of uh, like the, the fakeness of the world, allows them to finally feel feelings because somehow either the song or the animation breaks through your cold exterior. Yeah, like I, I say you embrace this. I think that is a, you know, I... I, I I don't know if I can. My whole life I've been an anti-movies guy. It's a little fucked up to find out that I actually kind of like animated movies 20 years into my life. I would love for you to become a big musicals guy. <laughs> what if that was just like the missing key? And like you, you, you're always talking about how robotic you are, how you have a hard time expressing emotion. Yeah. What if you just, 
you that's because the only way you express emotion is by breaking into song you're mm-hmm. telling me if i go see the little mermaid on ice i might experience joy for the first time Yeah, i'm saying you might if the background singers really nail it maybe. yeah i'm saying you might cry tears of joy i could see you watching a musical and just having like tears silently <laughs> going down your cheeks that's the thing too though is like normally i hate musicals like mama mia that made me want to blast myself well, with a shotgun mama mia bro yeah Oh, okay. That's well, ABBA. I thought that was a classic. <laughs> I, I think the animation's a key part. Animation makes me cry way more than normal movies, and I, mm. I don't know why. I just like, I but mean, it the, could animation, be the music. It, the animation in this was so surreal, and I liked the song sequences a lot, especially the ones that involved the genie, and there was all the crazy cutaways to all the different shit he turned into all those different things, you know? Yeah. It was just fun. I liked it. I will say to the folks at home, A Whole New World is my favorite, bar nothing, the best song to do if you're doing karaoke and you want to, like, do it with someone else. Duet A Whole New World. And the best part, especially if it's a lady, is when she goes, A Whole New World, and you just grab her and go, Don't you dare close your eyes. <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, Always time, lands. I was at karaoke and uh, there was this girl there and I uh, convinced her to sing Love the Way You Lie with me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I made her be Eminem. <laughs> and I gotta say, dude, you should try that one out. It, it was so funny. <laughs> Good tips for and then, the folks at home. Yeah, this other guy, like, after we were done our karaoke set, he was like, that inspired me, and he went up and rapped the real Slim Shady in its entirety. <laughs> uh, and we really started a whole Eminem kick at the hipster bar on a fucking Wednesday evening, that. which was nice. Um, so I watched, uh, when I watched this movie, I watched it on Disney Plus and they have like a content warning right off the top that basically says like, hey, there's a bunch of like stereotypes in this movie. Like, you know, we thought this at the time, but it's really not accurate today. So please, when you watch this, keep in mind like the changing social norms. And I thought that was very progressive. And it makes me wonder, do you think in like 10 years or whatever, all these like 13 year old like, alt-right edgelords are going to get really into like the 90s Disney movies that are like a little bit racy. I've decided <laughs> in response to you guys being the leftist CIA, I'm going to become one of those guys who always thinks that the thing is not racist. <laughs> that is not racist. You want representation? This is how you get it. What, what makes for a good cartoon character? Exaggerated features, wacky personalities, unusual decision-making. If you say way that you don't want any uh, basically non-straight white people, they can't be wacky or exaggerated or ridiculous to look at, then that means all you get is movies with straight white dudes. If that's the only people we're allowed to point and laugh at so you want representation boom this is how you get it you know how many arabic girls i know who goes jasmine every halloween when they were kids two <laughs> <laughs> but Which, do you know how many arabic women steven knew that he's batting a hundred percent right now yeah how many arabic women do you know i'm the non-racist here i'm the only one who's not racist i'm friends with girls who are happy to see themselves on the screen <laughs> disney has nothing to apologize that warning has something to apologize for yeah, so, like, here's the thing is, like, I'm not a guy who probably should be debating whether or not anything <laughs> is racist. Uh, usually I just try to shut the fuck up. But, like, me and Keen were talking about this before the podcast. I I sort of have trouble seeing it because, like, I tried to read a bunch of, like, articles and I watched some video essays or whatever on uh, how this movie is problematic. And they're like, 
Yeah, they're wearing like non-realistic clothes for the desert, and then also uh, it's supposed to be based on Baghdad, and like that's a very green city, and this just looks like there's no greenery. And then also the ta- the thing is like based on the Taj Mahal, but uh, that hadn't been built for like 500 years. And then it's like you think about Beauty and the Beast, yeah, and you're like, is that historically accurate to what Europe was like in that time? Well, not that many people got turned into candlesticks in. Yeah. historical Europe in that sense. So yeah. I don't know if it's like only the inaccuracy thing. I have trouble seeing. I it. mean, and that that wasn't the racist shit that I was even thinking of. Like, I, honestly, that's, you know, fuck it. It's a, I Do you mean, know about the line they cut out. What, what was the, the was that the takeoff or close part? No, that I don't buy that. But anyways, the no, in the opening song, which is a good song, the Arabian Nights yeah. in the theatrical version, there's a line where he's talking about how hard Arabia is. Are we going to need to bleep when you say the line? Uh, Are no, you going to sh- say something that starts with sand? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I was going to go with camel. Uh, no. Um, the line is where they'll cut your throat if they don't like your face. And every groups were like, that's a little harsh. We're not just stabbing each other constantly. <laughs> and Disney was like, all right, we'll take that out. But this first scene that's like the real character action is uh, still Aladdin's about to get his hands chopped off. Yeah, it's that, and then it's so, him. Uh, oh yeah, that's escaping. that is a weird stereotype. Yeah, that so they dialed weird. it back, but it's still like, I don't know. Well, that's where I mo- noticed most of the stereotypes, and then there's like some that are just kind of around for the rest of the movie. But like yeah. most, they hit you pretty hard off the top when they kind of introduce you to um, uh, fuck. What's the name of the town? Agrabah. Agrabah. Yeah, when they introduce you to Agrabah, and you know it's happenings. It's like the they they have that song uh, that intros Aladdin and then yeah. it's Aladdin getting or about to get his hands chopped off. He has to escape, and while he's escaping, like he's literally being chased by a bunch of guys in turbans with scimitars. Uh, and to in order to escape, he has to like jump over like guys on beds of nails and like yeah. firewalkers and like fire breathers and go through all these shots. And it's just like the most fucking like all these stereotypes, like all these things, like. Where you're like, oh, I've heard of that from uh, the Middle East. They'll just, like, you know, toss that in there. Be like, see, we're painting a picture. Yeah, see, like, I didn't know those were stereotypes. Maybe, see, I'm a a lot more locked in with my racism than you guys are. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I'm trying to decide how far I can safely take this character before I actually get backlash for claiming nothing is racist. (laughs) But I am genuinely curious, like, if something, if a movie was getting shot in, like, a similar thing was happening in modern-day Canada, you'd have your main character run by a Mountie, run by a hockey player, run by a polar bear. Well, yeah, totally. And I mean, like, I don't think it's, like, outwardly racist. I just think it's more lazy, and it kind of lets people fall into those, you know, established stereotypes of what those nations are. And you can totally say, like, hey, this is, like, a kid's animated movie. It is no uh, obligation to try and explain to people what the Middle East is like and all that stuff. Like, it's literally a movie about why it's not or why it's important to not misrepresent uh, misrepresent who you are in order to get yeah or pretend like the most interesting parts about you are the main parts yeah exactly like it's not it's not like that's what it's about it's not about fucking painting a realistic if people get get mad like agrabah is not a real place why are we fucking not going after that as we've already established baghdad is very green it is exactly in the desert i heard that they were going to call it baghdad and then there was some sort of weird tension. You know how the United States is always totally being a fucking war guy. Mm. And there was some sort of war guy thing that was going on. So then they just made it a fictional town. But also the other thing I read about, like with the hand cutting off thing, I read that um, uh, like the law 
in that part of the world at that time was like very focused on preventing crime instead of punishing crime. So you'll get your hands cut off before you commit the crime. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Every guy got his hands cut off at birth, <laughs> so sort of like how I got crime. circumcised. <laughs> no, um, what actually happened was th- like very rarely would people ever get punished. Like they would usually just get like a talking to until they felt bad about it. And then they would atone for their sins. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. Um, I don't remember exactly what they would do. But yeah, so it's just like I think it's just like they hit you with stereotypes. a lot. Yeah, that's exactly it. And it's honest, like it's just it's less of a way to, you know, like disparage that part of the world. And I think it's more just like an easy kind of quick way to build uh, a sense of, you know, the world in the movie. They're using yeah. like tropes that you're already familiar with. You see the fire breather. You see, you know, all these guys dressed in turbans or whatever. Yeah. Sure, that might not be what they wore, but it's like that's what you think that they wear. Yeah, I'm pretty sure yeah. they mixed in some stuff from India in there, too. Like, oh, totally. I thought the totally. nail beds and the floating rope. I Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about this. I thought that was mostly an Indian. I thing. mean, also Aladdin's pants are traditionally worn by Turkish women. So they mixed a lot of different stereotypes yeah, exactly. together. But um, fuck. Real genies are also a much darker shade of blue. They lightened yeah. him quite a bit for North American audiences, which is a I also form think of whitewashing. It was like it was a little bit lazy because I also read that like uh, when they were doing um, uh, Lion King or Jungle Book, I can't remember, but they the writers like they brought in a real tiger so they could see what a tiger acts like and then also for hunchback of notre dame the writers spent like a week in that church just to like make it feel like realistic so like you couldn't have fucking gone down there (laughs) but i don't know you could uh hopped a carpet and flied to another yeah like it just seems like with a lot of other movies they they care a lot about being like realistic in animation yeah and then in this movie they were just like uh, let's read like two newspapers and we'll put the fucking shit that's you in know, there. Uh, in ancient Arabia, desert, uh, turbans. You, you got it. You get the idea. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's totally what it was. And like, I don't know if it was like outwardly harmful. Like, I don't think that this started any new ways to be racist towards uh, that part of the world, but like, it didn't help things. I get. I okay. I'm sure I, someone's actually, I been called more. Aladdin in a disparaging way <laughs> yeah, since totally. 1992. Probably. Totally. Statistically, it's <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh. Anyway. You know what I think is funny about villains? They're always burying people alive or throwing them in a lake before they're dead with all their limbs tied together. It's like, you guys really That's don't know how to murder. What right? I said. Why didn't they chop his head off and then throw him off the cliff? Yeah. Wait, for what? Are we no, we're skipping about way too far <laughs> right at there. Are we talking about the very end of the movie now? <laughs> we are even in the beginning when Aladdin's climbing out of the cave of wonders. Why did uh, Jafar take a moment to dramatically stab him? Why not just be like, thanks, and now I'm leaving. Good luck hanging off. Like, the only reason why he even, uh, like, didn't just fall off the... No, he did. Aladdin falls off the cliff anyway. The carpet, yeah. He didn't know the carpet was down there. Should have just been like, good luck with gravity. I'll be over here. If you climb out, then I'll stab you. Yeah, it's all these fucking villains trying to do villainous shit. Oh, and he could not stop telegraphing his move. He kept being like, don't worry. You'll get what's coming God, to you. God, it's so fucking frustrating. I'm so glad we had Ozzy Mendeus and Watchmen pulling the reverso on that villain trope. Did he? Remind me. 
Uh, so this is spoiling Watchmen, Wait, but whatever. The, yeah, yeah. The, this, the, the show Alan Moore, or the original? The okay. Alan Moore comic. Yeah. So uh, at the end of the thing, Ozymandias, he's like the big bad guy in it. He wants to destroy the world. He, he, he gives everyone the rundown. He gives the yeah. Watchmen the rundown of his uh, plot to destroy the world. Oh, yeah. And they're like, so so when's uh, when's this taking place? And he checks his watch. He's like, uh, 11 minutes ago. Yeah. And then like everything That was, was great. Fucked. Why would I have told you this if there was any chance you could totally. stop it? Yeah, that was uh, That, that was shit great. ruled. Yeah, that's very hard. Also, yeah, like, <laughs> he shouldn't have uh, pushed him off the cliff. Like, he should have just stabbed him quickly. Yeah, well, yeah. see, and you could maybe say, like, oh, it's a kid's movie. You can't or, stab <laughs> the main guy. You could have just helped <laughs> yeah, him out and been but, like, you screwed up. You didn't do the thing that I told you to do, so now there's no treasure. Sorry, bye-bye. And yeah, then just, like, like, wandered away. Also, what I didn't tell you before is that um, the punishment for not getting me what I wanted was I'm going to stab you. Yeah, and then the, the kids watching the movie would have been like, "Yeah, that seems fair." That's it's, why you always the keep your end of the deal. Yeah, yeah. they're like, "My dad's always doing shit like that." That would teach kids a good lesson. Uphold <laughs> your end of the bargain, lest you get stabbed. So, talk to me about uh, the fucking thing you wanted to talk about. All right, so we're just gonna skip through the movie. I'll say it was a better movie than I remembered. It moved really well. Um, yeah, good movie. But here's the part that I wanted to talk about. I got a few different points, but I'll start with the the main one. Can I see your thing, Brad? Um. A big thing in all, I feel, of like 90s art and 90s music and 90s shows and in movies, but this is just the best example I could think of, is the idea that money doesn't matter. Hey, you people working hard to, to try and get wealthy, don't do that. That's a trick. Money doesn't buy happiness. It's all about the love. Money doesn't matter. And when I was a kid, cynical people uh, like my dad would say, that's hippy-dippy nonsense. That's the, the hippie message. They're trying to sell you like um, like leftist garbage. But now that I'm older, I wonder, maybe it was the exact opposite. Is that a capitalist myth of, like, uh, the powerful people trying to uh, brainwash the, the common worker to say, hey, don't even worry about money. It's okay that we're making it. It wouldn't make you any happier anyway. Don't even think about it. You just, you just go over there, have a nice life. It's the same. It's the same. You wouldn't be happier if you have it, so we'll just make it, and it doesn't make a difference. Don't even think about it. That's interesting. Like, I've never thought about it like that. What's the main thing that's happening in the movie? It's not even the genie. It's uh, Princess Jasmine is trapped in incredible riches, and uh, what's his name? Aladdin is trapped in incredible poverty, and both of them want to break out of their traps, and they treat the traps as if they're comparable. Like Jasmine, who... I grant, like, a lot of super rich people, that is tough in some unique ways. It's a very Jasmine, Britney Spears-esque scenario. Very listen, Britney rich people, scenario. suck are all six of our nuts, because the thing about <laughs> it is, yeah, sure, I'm sure you're sad, but have you ever gone to bed starving? That's exactly <laughs> my Dude, point. Yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it sucks Jasmine doesn't get to choose who she gets to marry. Did you miss the opening scene when Aladdin was almost getting his hands chopped off? <laughs> and he had to give up his supper so he could go to bed hungry, so two children wouldn't starve to death in front of him? Yeah. And the movie treats that as comparable as well jasmine doesn't get to go out on her own very often oh she doesn't get to pick her husband yeah nobody gets to pick their fucking husband we all settle (laughs) (laughs) listen kid love is a dream um that's interesting starving is hard don't starve poverty is bad but money doesn't matter if you have it if you don't it is the most important thing in the world well yeah it's interesting because i've been like thinking to myself a lot lately that money doesn't matter and uh 
Yeah, but you do like that is reductive as hell because you do need some money to not uh, live a terrible life. I could actually use you to prove my point. In your last podcast, I think you talked about how, as you were re rejecting the material trappings of wealth, you just went without a mattress for a while. I uh, that's not why. That's, that is not why. And okay, I well, you should never cite that as an example of I don't think, deep thought. I don't think that's what I said either. And if it is what I said, I would like to recant. Okay, but you did go without a mattress for a while. I did, yes. That rang a bell with me because I went out without a mattress for a while because I was like, yeah, hard, Spartan. Money doesn't matter. Who needs luxury? It just makes you soft. I fucked up my shoulder in a way from sleeping on the floor that it's still kind of messed up. Mattresses are good. The human body wants to sleep on something soft. Yeah, no, you can ask anybody. I really wanted a mattress that whole time. Um, that doesn't back up my point, though. So I'm just going to keep telling people that you rejected the material trappings of wealth. That's so funny to imagine that I'm like a monk. You're like, seeking enlightenment was, through asceticism. I was doing like God shit. No, dude, I was just like, I was spending all my money on other things. <laughs> um, yeah, I was in a dark place. But anyway... Um, it is interesting about because I do tend to think that money doesn't really matter. Like I, I've said on the podcast before that you can just go find money; it's around. Yeah, you know, not and all, that's true. It is yes. not a lot of it, but it is if just I around. Have no, like nothing to do in my day, I can yeah. fucking rustle up some cash. Yeah, don't get me wrong. That has also been my experience, and I do find I'm happy. To be fair to the story of the movie, I'm happier when I think that way. When I just like go through life thing, I just need to get what I need and then I'm going to spend the, and I'm going to do that in an enjoyable way. I only care about meeting my needs. I don't care about yeah. like storing excess anything. But if I'm put myself in the position of Richard Branson, virgin CEO, astronaut extraordinaire, that's what I want you to think. I don't want you spending your time trying to get excess. I want that excess. Yeah. So if I can convince you that, no, I just need uh, three square meals and uh, maybe a mattress or maybe not. Boom, good. That just leaves more excess for me, baby. Yeah, this podcast makes me, like, it fucks up my mental state so much because I have to question all my fucking beliefs <laughs> every week. I hate it. Yeah, I thought this was the net money doesn't matter. That was, like, the nicest, most progressive thing you could think in the 90s. And now I wonder if, like, committing to it made me actually uh, set the movement backwards. Turned out it's a neoliberal psyop. Exactly. Because it is. Here's something. Maybe. Possibly not, though. <laughs> it could be because the thing that me and Kian talk about a lot is, um, like, the only way to actually do a revolution that yeah. would maybe work is uh, violence, obviously. Number we one, love, first and foremost. We love violence on this podcast. But to do violence on any sort of scale that would do anything, you do need a lot of money. Yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe it is a fucking yeah. sigh. On the Lost Nick McQuick podcast, we talked about how the best way to, uh, you know, basically have a, do a revolution is like more shit like the GameStop stock where people just start, you know, pooling what little money they have mm -hmm. all together and doing some pretty fucking crazy plays with it. All right. But just to be difficult, let me push back on that also and say, like, what would that even get you? Like, yeah, that, you say that's... a revolution that works. I mean, to be the one thing that the movie teaches, which I think is true, is that being rich is no walk in the park either. Yeah. Like. If you do a bunch of violence, then you like get the money. Like now, what? You're a broken PTSD having person who probably is missing a leg and is haunted by the nightmares of all the not even that bad people that you had to kill to get here. Like, yeah, ja I mean, Jasmine's not sacrifice. having. She's not exactly happy. She's significantly better off than Aladdin in a way the movie never really recognizes. But she's still not exactly pleased. Like, if 
the opposite lesson. If what they're teaching, if what the movie's teaching is wrong, the opposite, the antithesis, that's the smartest word I was looking for, Hell is yeah. not exactly true either. If you spend all your time hustling, just give up. You're going to be miserable. The money's not buying you anything anyway. Absolutely. I, I really do think that um, money is sort of a distraction. Like, if you have it or if you don't have it, you like it's about your mindset. You're not going to be yes. happy based on a fucking number like you just never will no totally like you, you need to find that you know happiness and fulfillment it's about yourself appreciating the trees going for a walk yeah like all that hanging shit. out with the crackheads that live behind your apartment oh, like yeah it's just about living your life but you, like, you need enough money to do that without do. having your children starve to death like aladdin almost had right in front of them and that's you the do. thing like i think aladdin in this movie is a pretty good you know, example of the money getting mentality and when it's like it might be even the right thing to be doing because Aladdin is like he's happy. He's fulfilled. He likes being a street guy to a certain extent. You know, yeah, like he would obviously like some worship. But I like, think part of the lie of the movie. But yes, I agree. He's, he's very happy. happy being a street he, guy. He, he's a content man. I get the impression of in the beginning. Sure, yeah. he wants uh, Jasmine's love, but that's really it. Like he he's cool with himself and all that stuff. Uh, he only feels like he has to change for this lady. Um so, you know, like maybe I think that's the type of time where it's like, hey, you know, I'm happy, uh, but I'm broke as shit. Maybe I should start looking at getting some more money for myself so I don't have to be to broke as shit. Stop talking about philosophy and dig back into the movie. That's another, I think the movie kind of addresses that with the idea that he's a diamond in the rough. That's like one of the big repeated yeah, yeah. phrases of the first act is he's this diamond in the rough. Don't he, even he sings, if only they'd look closer. Um, the idea that there's more to him than a poor person, but then it turns out like, okay, there's a scene when a rich prince walks by and really shames Aladdin mm -hmm. and thinks that he's hot soup. And then we later find out that that prince is nothing. Jasmine summarily rejects him and Aladdin winds up with Jasmine. But like it, we don't t find out that that order is wrong. We just find out that the prince had it backwards. It turned out that Aladdin is actually a very important person. Yes. The idea that um anybody could be important no that's not true we still have this hierarchy it's just the names aren't in the slots that the prince thought they were right there's still an essential judge of worth which the movie doesn't really get into but for some reason aladdin has it he's the chosen one he's just got the stuff but it's like kind of sorry did you have more to say about that uh mostly no go on yeah i was just gonna say that's kind of like a weird thing in life too like i don't know uh i, I feel like there's certain people who you run into and you're like oh You've got it. You've got the word, at least like some, I don't know, some, there's some aspect of their character that at least me personally, I appreciate enough to yeah. let them into my life. And, you know, maybe it's like, that's a very superficial thing to judge people on. But I also do think inherently some people have more going on than other people. And I would like to hang out with those people more than, you know, that is how I would argue against what I just said. Yeah. Is that, oh, it's not nonsense. Aladdin's a great guy, which you do see at the beginning. Aladdin is he a great chooses guy. to go to bed hungry so those kids could eat. Totally. He is genuinely a good person. It is unclear if that's why the Cave of Wonders let him in, or if the Cave of Wonders was like, no, he's got the special sauce. It doesn't matter what he do, it's who he is. I think which was, is what uh, the prince believes. The prince, like the, the swaggering, pompous prince, he's like, it doesn't matter what you do, it's who you are. And yeah. I am someone special. And this movie does not go against that. Aladdin no, yeah. is someone special. Aladdin Whether is special, but it, he's special for reasons uh, different than I would say what that society would deem as special. You know, like especially at the st uh, at the start of the movie, they deem special as like, um, and even Aladdin deems special as uh, being you know royalty basically. Yeah. Um, and I think that this whole movie is kind of about realizing like, oh no, that's not what being special is. Being special is like being a genuinely good person and 
honest with yourself and who you are to others and you know putting but other people first that kind that of stuff. person and while i think this is better that kind of person is still held up as a kind of royalty like this movie is not saying there is no royalty it's just saying there's a better way to decide who gets to be royal yeah no you're absolutely yeah. right yeah like there's still very clear hierarchical hierarchical lines in this like movie. the message of this movie is not all humans have inherent worth and dignity it is some do and we're just bad at figuring out who they are yes well, i also don't think that this movie ever says that some people don't have inherent worth. I think it's just saying that some people have more inherent worth than others. And I think um, also, yeah, it's just, it's like judging yourself based on how you're born is just a bad metric. Like you have to judge, like the way that you determine your worth is by uh, being yourself, not by being like your dad's son who's rich. Yeah. Well, what about the thief in the beginning who gets eaten by the cave in a scene that Keenan and I liked and Brad thought was lame? No, I, th I liked that scene. I just didn't like the, the cave. I just didn't like the look of its face. I think tigers are cool. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Brad. You're outnumbered on this one. Tigers hey, are cool. I'll concede. I'll concede the point then. <laughs> okay, but what about him? He's like, I forget what his name is, but he's like, I'm this guy, just a humble thief. And the cave's like, I wouldn't come in here if I were you. And the cave eats him. Which was, I thought, pretty hard. Like a really brutal death in a kid's movie. I enjoyed it thoroughly as a child. I enjoyed it now. But what was so bad about, uh, I mean, that guy seemed like he wasn't a good guy. Well, but there's, my, I guess he did kill people. To my get argument, stuff. I guess, would be that I feel like Aladdin is presented as a noble thief. He steals what he needs and only what gotta he needs. Gotta eat to live, gotta still eat. And um, I feel like this other thief is stealing to advance his yeah, lot in life. Enough. And uh, I think that that is not noble. Well, but yeah, also, yeah. I do still think it's cool. You should steal things. No, yeah, stealing is record. cool. Uh, and that even goes back to a lat. Like the cave implodes on a lad, and when uh, his monkey steals something that he wasn't supposed to take out of there too, so it was kind of equal. You know, it's like don't fucking take shit you don't need. The monkey was a great character study because he was such a good friend, great in a tight spot, always thinking. But he was also very greedy and jealous and petty. Yeah, extremely petty monkey. But a great friend, very loyal. Well, I so, think that's kind of like that's how what, Kian thinks about me. Yeah, that's like mm -hmm. what having uh, any number two like Brad is like. <laughs> <laughs> I already did a self-deprecating one, and then you had to be like, let me pile the fuck on. Let me pile onto that one. That's right, Robin. Don't step on Batman's cape over here. Well, let me add, you guys clearly have an established hierarchy. Uh, is it because, did you have to do anything, or is it just because of who you are? And... I don't know. I feel this this movie actually asks this question, doesn't answer it. If someone does something nice, but not for a nice reason, does that make it less nice? Or do you only care about what they do? Yeah, I don't know, man. That's like a conversation that I think that people are going to be having till the end of time. That kind of it's, it's like uh, that Ayn Rand virtue of selfishness thing yeah. where it's like, hey, like, you know, donating to charity is like an inherently selfish act. Like you're doing it to get that nice feeling that donating to charity gives you. But like, you're also doing something objectively good for the world. So it's like, how, how deep do you want to go in, in looking at reasons why you're doing something? I'm kind of of the mindset that like, unless you have like some big nefarious master plan that like donating to, ch to charity is like a small step in, you know, like then you're probably doing something good. You don't have to worry about like the, you know, what, what are you personally getting out of this act? Unless I... it's like, again, not a calculated effort to do evil later. I, um... I've always been, well, I don't know about always, but I, right now I am a guy who thinks that it's the outcome that matters. I don't think your intentions matter, to tell you the truth, because uh, 
yeah, I've had good intentions a lot of times and still ended up fucking people over. And uh, it still feels bad for me and them when I fuck people over. I think I mostly agree, but would derail the podcast by uh, answering in more depth. Please. So, man. I don't know if you know, but the format of this podcast is derailment. Yeah, I don't know what made you think this podcast had rails on (laughs) it. You guys talk about rails every other podcast. (laughs) Those are different rails. Say oh. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, okay, I'll, the short answer to that is yes. I think the most important thing about you is not what you think or who you are. It's what you do. What you do defines you, as Batman said. And uh, I, a podcast about Aladdin, by the way. Um, Aladdin would have said that if he had the chance. But I agree with that. But I, I do think your intentions matter because your intentions are the only thing you have complete control over. If you are trying to do something good and something bad comes out of it, that's a shame. But so much of the results of your actions is totally out of your hands. It's uh, luck or even you're limited by your own abilities. But you are not limited in your intentions. You can choose to be trying to do good. So even if you screw it up and kill everyone, that to me is still different than someone who deliberately kills everyone. I Yeah, I guess my whole thing to that is just like intentions are hard to define because like sometimes like people like want good things to happen i Mm -hmm. think just at a base level yes but that doesn't mean that you can't still like do evil you know what i mean like just because i go into a store like ready to steal wanting the clerk to be happy at the end of it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that I'm not like still stealing. I would say that's more a case of like neutral intentions. It's like, you know, that like relationship trope when whoever's leaving whomever says, I never meant to hurt you. Yeah, but you didn't mean not to. You yeah. weren't like, I want to hurt this person, but you didn't make not hurting them your number one priority either. You were kind of like neutral-ish to them. Same like in that case, mm-hmm. you don't want the clerk to suffer. You'd yeah. rather the clerk enjoyed the experience, but the clerk is not your number one priority there. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I guess I've never thought that you could have neutral intentions. But, um, yeah, I agree. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like the main motif of this you know, theme is the word I was looking for is freedom. Like uh, Aladdin and Jasmine say the word trapped at the same time because they feel trapped. Mm-hmm. The genie's just trying so hard to get freedom. And in the end, the movie celebrates like they all have it. But the genie's still an ultra-powerful being, and uh, Aladdin is now a prince, and Jasmine remains a princess. So I guess I think that there's a lot to what the movie is saying, that it's like really the genie gets his freedom not by getting more power, but by losing a bunch of power. Yeah. Like power is a trap is the thing that the movie says, which I agree with. But I still think it, it gives, like, short shrift to the idea that no power is even worse. Yeah, that's the thing. Because, I mean, like, if power was a trap, then they wouldn't, like, Aladdin wouldn't still be a king at the end of this movie. Yeah. Like, he, he would, if this movie was, like, you know, really true about its motifs or whatever, like, Aladdin and uh, Jasmine would have just, like, settled as a common, you know, they, yeah. they, they, they wouldn't be street rats anymore. Maybe they'd start a little merchant stand, start selling apples or whatever together. They'd have a nice, modest life. And realize, oh, we don't need the trappings of royalty to be happy or whatever. Yeah, the happy ending is only made possible by an all-powerful autocrat overruling the law. Exactly. And saying, oh, you can marry whoever you want, actually. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of weird, too, because it like kind of disregards its whole, you know, you don't need money to be happy thing. Yeah. Also, by 
being like, oh, you know, you don't need money to be happy, but here's a fuckload of money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like people always say money doesn't buy happiness, but there also is a lot of sadness in the bins at the food bank. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Poverty <laughs> buys misery. Yeah, that's, man. That's the way I... Not a lot of smiling faces at the Dollarama uh, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in their food aisle. Have you, uh, have you guys heard about uh, those psychiatrists in New York City who specialize in ultra-rich clients? No. Like $250 million or more? Dude. Um, because they have a unique set of problems. I've listened to a podcast yeah. with one of these guys, and I totally buy that rich people, like ultra-rich people, have a unique oh, set of problems. Oh, without a doubt. I, I just wouldn't be able to hear them I without just, giggling. No kidding. I just time. honestly... I, <laughs> I got a solution for you. I Give it away. <laughs> I genuinely believe if you're rich and sad, you should just kill yourself. Like... <laughs> It's yeah, not getting better. Just fucking tap out. You yeah, know what I mean? Seriously. You fucked it. Like, I'll, I don't know. That's obviously that's like a, some sort of ism, right? <laughs> um, You're definitely being a kind of phobic right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm one of the phobics for sure. But I do think that rich people don't deserve therapy. Go to the fucking country club. <laughs> Go golfing, yeah. Like, yeah, honestly. Therapy is for guys who can't uh, jet off to the like, Alps when they the need a fucking break. The fact that therapy is expensive for me and probably the same price for them, like, I, I'll kill you. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, uh, I actually, You make me like this movie a little bit more. I thought I was going to come in criticizing it more, but I think this movie does lean into that, that like uh, being rich is hard in some ways that you don't appreciate. But this movie makes the same mistake that those ultra rich people are making. You want to solve that problem, it's easy. Just give it away. Yeah. If it's becoming a burden, do what the genie does at the end. Maybe there was a good part of this, a good lesson. Oh, in this fuck. Movie. That is deep he as hell. Gives away the power and then becomes a much richer person. You wanted cosmic power? No, you, or you wanted it, you got it. Phenomenal cosmic power, itty bitty living space, spiritually. Uh-huh. Ooh. Uh-huh. Yeah. But here's exactly. my question is how much power did the genie really give up at the end? You know, like he was still did the pinball machine bit. I and, honestly uh, was able to jet off to it looked like Disneyland he was going to. So he's time true. traveling. He also. was and he was making 20th century references throughout. So yeah, he's hey, clearly. Well, yeah, do, you, do you think this movie took place in like 1988? Like <laughs> This is just like that's why everyone says it's so racist. We're jetting off to Arabia, the land of flying carpets <laughs> in here of 1988 when Johnny Carson was on TV (laughs) uh, (laughs) William F. Buckley was a relevant pop culture yeah why do you think the genie didn't have to explain what slot machines were at any point (laughs) through that (laughs) I I would argue that the genie actually gains power at the end because uh, he was released from slavery basically yeah well I think Actually, I don't know if I think this is what the movie was saying. I think if I wanted to, I could interpret it as the power was the slavery. But you're right. The movie doesn't imply that he uh, lost anything. I think, if anything, the way it's critical of wealth is actually in Jafar. Jafar first becomes a sultan, realizes that isn't enough, uh, wishes for incredible magic power. So now, by any measure, he is the most powerful person on Earth. What does he do with all that ability? He just wants to show off for the four people he already knew. Yeah, exactly. He's uh, flexing yeah. for Iago. He's imp- oppressing the two people that he didn't like, and then Aladdin's around. So but even what three I say, people he already knew. Why do I do anything if not yeah. to stunt on the people I already know? Um, I don't Like, for personal gain, I guess? Yeah, I don't know. I like mean, I, like, there's some shit I do for personal gain, but, like, definitely... Some of what I do is like, yeah, now everyone thinks I'm sick. But at least it makes getting rich and powerful seem empty. Like, you could have just pushed over the salt. Oh, yeah, totally. much bigger than him. There was no point. 
I, I did really enjoy. Uh, I, I feel like most of the negative, you know, uh, commentary on wealth and power and all that were definitely done in the form of uh, fucking Jafar in this movie. Who's also really cool. Really cool, but also like snake. One huge plot I? hole in this is uh, why would you have your royal advisor be snake themed? Mm. So yeah. You should have seen that coming. Should have seen that coming from a mile away. I mean, any guy who talks in a stereotypical evil man drawl is like. I probably wouldn't hang out Get with him. Get him out of here. You know what I mean? Like, he was obviously less than worthy. I'm not a no new friends guy, but I am a no some new friends guy. <laughs> <laughs> no new bad friends yeah, no guy. No new evil friends. No new visibly evil friends. <laughs> That's a pretty good rule. No visibly evil friends. <laughs> yeah. I'll get on board with that. Yeah. I um. That's interesting. Like, uh, it's a good point about, like, you can like fucking try to stunt and like try to impress people, but really like all that actually matters is how you feel about yourself. And, uh, unfortunately spending your whole life trying to gain power just so you can oppress somebody is like, that's not going to make you feel good. Yeah. And that's the thing like Jafar had, you know, a bunch of shit that should make anybody happy. Like he had a cushy job. He lived in the palace. He dressed like a snake all day long. Like those are all literally things that I'm working towards as we speak right now. You know what does upset me though is like it's weird to me that everybody has to go through that um, realization at some point in mm-hmm. their life because like I feel like the way people are raised now is even though we all fucking like jack off around by saying that money like all the cliches about money and it doesn't matter and stuff but like uh, still most people grow up with the feeling that like oh if I get money and power and a good job and a good degree and a hot girlfriend everybody's gonna respect me and then i'll be happy like why do we all still why are we all locked in that mindset the scarface arc why are we all in the scarface arc i think it's i mean at least for me personally i had to force myself to stop thinking like that i feel like it's just something that society inherently rewards like even me subconsciously if i see a guy who's got like an attractive partner you know a well-paying job and they have a nice car i'm like he's he's good Okay. Like he could be yeah, the and shit that's what I just said about rich people. I have no empathy for them because I see them and I'm yes. like, I would be happy with I that. I knew yeah, there yeah, was yeah, a reason yeah. why I wanted to come on this podcast, and that's it because I don't have that. Uh, I think that might be, I don't know. I think Aladdin worked on me. That like when I was a kid, I really was like, no, you don't need money. I'm just gonna be like Aladdin. I'm just gonna be a smart ass who jumps off things and has adventures, and that's fine. And I don't need money. And it always drove my parents crazy that at every turn I sabotaged my own career in the name of having fun because I couldn't give a shit about money. And I still have a really hard time caring about money. And in a sense, it's mostly worked out. That's been like I've had a good life to this point. And now I am in really tight to be able to retire or own a home or raise children because it turns out money was not everything that Jafar thought it was, but it was more than I thought it was. Yeah. This is where the kind of trap of the movie, the part that I'd like to criticize kicks in is because, well, I think that like 24 seven hustle mentality is pointless. I also think that my like, oh, money's for uh, foolish rich people who aren't spiritually enlightened like me. That's also a mistake. Yeah. I I feel that I'm uh, barreling down the path towards that realization because like I do constantly tell myself money doesn't matter and I don't care about it and I don't send emails and I don't like ask people for things that'll make me money. Um, But also like every time I see a guy with a stable life and a even kind of nice house, I'm like in shock. Yeah. 
like in like yeah yeah so, I, I think i mean i think you're right i think that there is kind of like a middle ground where you have to like you do unfortunately yeah. have to chase some of it to a degree but i think it's super important that you limit that degree that you chase it and you're yeah. aware that hey like this isn't the be all and end all like I don't know. You see this a lot. I, I, you notice it with people who are like very dead set on one goal mm -hmm. and then ignore like a lot of other aspects with their personal life yeah. to focus on that one goal. Like let's apply it to comedy, you know, like let's say there's uh, an, a, a guy who's coming up uh, a feature. <laughs> let's act, say there's perhaps. a young 17 year old comedian yeah. <laughs> who just moved out of his parents. But house. You know, like somebody who's really, really hungry and really wants to fucking make it and stand up. And yeah. like, they're also falling apart mentally. You know, they're, really on the edge the a lot of their self-identity or whatever is tied up into stand-up and they think that uh by you know getting onto just for laughs or whatever or opening yeah. for this big name headliner that's gonna make them feel happy and then it's yeah. always inevitable where they get to that point and then uh realize like okay hey i've gotten here and now i have all this other shit that i've been neglecting for so long and i now have to deal with i feel like this is the same thing yeah but I'm so lucky, just off that tangent, like, I am so lucky the pandemic happened because holy fuck, like, it would have taken me so many more years to realize what I was neglecting. Yeah, man. Like, I, I know you're doing a hypothetical, but you really did just describe the first, like, five years of my life, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, but yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to realize that kind of shit. Like, I don't know why. It's weird that we're not taught these things. You're that really not. I think that's kind of what I find so interesting because in the 90s, that was like the only thing we were taught. Like the Jafar uh, arc was like all anybody talked about. And it was huge. And like I said, it's not just Aladdin. Like if you look at music, like the most, I don't know about who was selling the most albums, but certainly the most culturally relevant artists were grunge artists and uh, a certain like hip hop tube. I'm focused on grunge because that fits my thesis here that like, Pearl Jam, all they could talk about was how much they didn't want to be famous. Nirvana, all they could talk about was how much they didn't want to be famous. Everybody was bragging about how much they refused to do commercials. Taking endorsements was the worst thing you could do. Trying to make money was the most uncool thing you do or could do. Credibility was jewelry. It was extremely expensive in a way that they probably didn't think of it as. But like essentially, if you turn down a million dollars to not do a commercial, you just paid a million dollars to not have to do that commercial and keep your credibility. All anybody cared about was like not caring about money. That was what they spent millions of dollars on. And I feel like that just turned out to be more of a bust than we thought it would be. And that's what that thing that you guys are kind of talking about now that got popular again because not caring at all about money turned out to be a little bit of a bust also. Yeah, it's a bit of a fool's game. And I would say the pendulum has kind of swung in like the completely opposite direction pop culture wise now where it's like, mm -hmm. look at you know, every rapper, look at Joe Rogan, like yeah. everybody's so fucking caught up in flexing how much money they've made. Yeah. And everyone is, you know, sees that and they're like, get your fucking bag. Yeah. The big difference now is everyone's like wealth is cool again. It was the most uncool thing in the nine nineties were all about uh, primitivism. Like you could even see it in the hairstyles. Everyone wanted to look like a Mohican, but now uh, everyone's like looking sharp and like suits are cool again. Expensive watches are cool again. But the big difference between this and the Aladdin world is now you got to be like Rogan. Like I started poor, but yeah. then I worked up. We started from the bottom. Now we're here. The idea of being born rich is extremely uncool. Whereas in uh, most of human history, that was the coolest thing totally. of all. But we're still reacting one way or another to wealth. We haven't figured out how to ignore it. We're either pushing it away or embracing it in some way. Yeah, I've said this on quite a few episodes, but uh, I'd like to reiterate it. Money is nothing more than a tool. Yeah. It's uh, you use it to get what you want, 
if what you want is a Rolex, that's cool. I also want a Rolex, you know what I mean? But uh, it, it's not like, you know, having a Rolex doesn't make you a cool guy. It just means you have a Rolex. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like money is, yeah, it's literally only functional. Like you can have a ton of it in your bank account. And I've had tons of it in my bank, relatively tons of it in my bank account and looked at it and been like, nice. Yeah. But it's like now, like looking at that number, you know, I'm not stoked about the number, but I'm really stoked about what that number represents. And that now I don't have to worry about how I'm going to pay rent next month. Now I can, you know, afford to fucking do some road shit that is fun, but I might lose a bit of money on or, you know, whatever, stuff like that. That's exactly what I could not appreciate when I was younger, that it is a useful tool that you should not ignore. Yeah. Yeah, it is like uh I mean yeah, it's it's the fucking thing that they decided to base the trap we all live in on. Yeah. And so you kind of need to play the game a little bit unfortunately. Um but you can't get caught up in the game. Can't get caught up in it either. You really can't. If you you know, you can't play tag for 12 straight hours, baby. You no. get tired. And I feel like the pandemic was a pretty good kind of wake-up call for me in that regard where I, you know, had a pretty limited amount of savings. We were getting some money from the government. Uh, and then I just like didn't have to work. I had my whole days free to do all the shit that mattered to me. And I realized a lot of the shit that mattered to me was not expensive. I'm feel I have deep guilt about the pandemic having been one of the best years of my Dude, life. Dude, it was so good. I like yeah. there was a large portion of it where I was just hanging out in the forest with like Brad or my other friend, Sean. Yep. And like that was my plan was just like, OK, well, I'm going to wake up. I'll probably have some coffee and then I guess I'll go in the forest. And it's like, that's, I, I can do that for free. I just need money to cover food and rent. Yeah. It was so relaxing for me to not feel like I was getting left behind. Totally. Yeah. Like man. in my spare time, like, I don't feel like doing anything tonight. I guess I should because everyone's out there getting ahead of me. Wait, no, they're not. I can just hang out. Yeah. Everyone's just hanging out. Yeah. And I, yeah. part of me likes that kind of hustle. Like, I don't know. It's been kind of nice to be able to go back to yeah. hustling comedy and be like, oh, man, I feel like I'm improving. I see everybody else improving. This is so sick. But like, there was something to be said for just being like, hey, I can just chill. There's, I'm not getting behind here. I can just really take a moment, focus on me. What do I want to do right now? Yeah. Oh, go on a five-hour-long walk? Yep. Fuck it. That's what I'm doing. But exactly. that's like the important lesson of the pandemic for me anyways, because like I did fucking lose my mind. But yeah. also, I realized a lot of things about who I am and what I like and, uh, you know, whatever, and made some progress in my mental health. But like... The, the lesson that's important to take from the pandemic, uh, in my opinion, is that you can sometimes just take a day like totally. no one's getting ahead of you. That's yeah. not real. That's a myth. Like every like if the people who are out at the show when you're skipping it are bombing. Yeah. Yeah. They're, a lot of the not time, getting ahead yes, of they are bombing. <laughs> yes. Like, no, yeah, I don't know. It's all uh, it's all like a personal thing. Like you can't be comparing yourself to other people. You yeah. have to listen yeah. to yourself. Yeah. yeah, I mean, people say that, but I do still think that there is something to be said. Uh, you shouldn't only be comparing yourself to other people, but I do think you should be taking other people into consideration. It's to nice some to use them as gauges and inspiration, and I'm really competitive, but I enjoy being really competitive. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I think I am the obnoxious competitive guy at pickup sports, but I enjoy that. That makes them more fun for me. Exactly, and I do think, like, I, I'm super competitive with you in comedy. Like, whenever I see you yeah. having, like, a streak of great sets, I'm like, okay, well, what am I doing? Yeah. yeah, dude, I'm going to admit something to you that I've never told you before, and uh, we'll see how it goes. I'm honored <laughs> to be here for this. When I, probably my, f like, single digit sets, like, I was still 17, uh, I was like, uh, you, like, s you headlined to the strip one time. Yeah. 
and mm-hmm. you did the Jesus thing for 15 minutes, and it just smashed the entire time. That's and then, not how I remember. <laughs> well, that's how I remember it. And uh, I went home and wrote on this whiteboard I had, you have to do better than Kia. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and then I never used that whiteboard ever again. I, that stayed on that whiteboard until I... It stayed on that whiteboard until I moved out of my parents' house. God damn, dude. That's hard as fuck. Yeah. I don't, <laughs> so sick. I'm really competitive, too. Um, I guess is what I was trying to say. <laughs> but I also think like that kind of attitude, like, you know, it's obviously going to fuck you up if that's all you think about all the time. But yeah. like being yeah. able to see like, hey, that person is making progress what's stopping me from making that same progress is almost an empowering thought that I wouldn't be able to have if I didn't take into consideration how good everyone around me was also doing. You know what really sucks about life? That everything really is just moderation. It's such a boring answer, and I don't want it to be true because I enjoy extremes more. it sucks. But it's not. If you're doing extreme anything, you're probably making a mistake. Absolutely. If not definitely making a mistake. And it's important to consider everything just a little bit. Yeah, (laughs) everything just a little (laughs) bit. Uh, I gotta hit the washroom, so ad break here, I guess. All right. <laughs> well, you want to uh, hear a memory of my favorite Brad and Keen conversation I've ever had? Yeah. Because I don't remember how it came up, but I said that I feel like my life is a combination of two voices. The one voice is like, "Man, uh, everybody hates you. If it seems like they're being nice, they're just pretending because they're just being polite, just like you are. They're just saying it to your face. They can't wait for you to leave." They're sad when you show up. Nobody likes or respects you. They're just pretending. And then at the same time, there's this other voice that is like, everyone is intimidated by how great you are. <laughs> they desire you. You're making your male friends question their sexuality. <laughs> Every woman you know wants to sleep with you. You are the best. You are the greatest. You are so interesting. It is cartoonish. And I said, my life is trying to moderate those two voices and find a spot in the middle. And Kean was like, yeah, I know what you mean. And Brad was like, hey, how'd you guys get that second voice? <laughs> You guys got a second voice? Where'd you get the second voice? Yeah, I'm real hateful towards myself. Um, but I am starting to get that second voice. I was, I've been thinking it's just like part of growing up because I am getting like a bit more aggressive and a bit more angry. And then yeah. also I have a bit bigger of an ego these days. Yeah. Um, and it is hard to keep that in check. Like it's really like I swing from one extreme yeah. to the other extreme. Probably a third voice that just makes any sense would be better, but I yeah. don't have that. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm working on it, but like, I yeah, it's. Fucking I mean, I hard, think that's dude. the only way you can do. At least that's kind of the. And I'm not like I'm definitely far from you know in an ideal state. I just uh, also find myself jumping from extreme to extreme, and it definitely to me feels like a pendulum that's coming to a stopping point. I hope to fucking god <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Yeah, um, like I definitely am less crazy now than i was you know like a year or two ago like i i feel like i'm a little more balanced in like my wild manic episodes and my wild depressive episodes and i can kind of just get like you know when i'm even when i'm feeling a, a, a kind of bummy i can at least objectively be like hey well okay here's a lot of empirical reasons why you were not a loser uh yeah. and then the same that goes other way when i'm like feeling a little too fucking big for my britches I can, you know, be like, okay, well, here's some empirical ways you can improve as a person. You know, don't fucking chill out, dude. Yeah, that's a good way to do it. Um, I have, like, for me now, as opposed to, you know, when we first met or whatever, like, my lows are not as low. 
Um, but my, I still swing, like I still have crazy swings and yeah. the way I feel about myself. Hmm. Uh, it's just that I, I don't like, you know, get too, uh, explicit. Yeah. I hate to say it, but the thing that I found the most helpful, although like empirical facts help, but is like trying not to think about it too much. Yeah. Me like too. I was helps me a deep lot. into thinking. Mm-hmm. I thought thinking was the best thing that a person could do. It spent a lot of time thinking wrong, wrong. Yeah. Ew. I used to think I was supposed to analyze every decision yeah. I ever made. It me. turns out though, that's how you forget who you are. Totally. And I feel like I'm still coming out of that. Yeah. Uh, like think a little bit, don't not think at all, but thoughts are only as useful as the actions they fuel. Yeah. My philosophy on the matter is uh, fire from the hip all day long. And then, <laughs> In the evening, smoke a joint and think about the targets you hit. Fucking, you know? <laughs> <laughs> did, did I accomplish what I wanted to here? You know what? As long as somebody's dead at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, as I'll long know. as I shot a couple of guys, <laughs> pretty good. They'll I, remember me. I'm having trouble like deciding what kind of guy I want to be also. like uh, I, I always grapple with like, do like sometimes I want to be the happy, positive friendship guy, and yep. sometimes I'm like, God damn, do I ever just wish I was Kean? Like I just wish <laughs> that I could hate everyone and like be negative to like and just not give a fuck. Like the queen of mean on the comedy scene. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I don't, I don't know if other people have that. I hope they do, but like I'm having a lot of trouble trying to decide what the right path is. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I don't think anybody really knows. I think they're just uh, guessing. I've always been kind of jealous of people who don't seem to think about that at all. They just go out and be themselves. Yeah. yeah. I'm always like, which side of myself am I going to be? Yeah. I I could be this self or that self. I tried to talk to my roommate, Mark, about that, like about having an internal monologue that's always like narrating what you do. I just like reference the fact that I had one to him. He's like, "What are you talking about?" Yeah, <laughs> like he yeah. had no concept. Did you know some people don't have an internal yourself. monologue? <laughs> yeah, I just found out some people don't have that, and I fucking wish, dude. Oh, that is, I like. like I wouldn't th- care if it made me worse at everything I love. Like honestly, I would take not having one over having one like any oh, day. Oh, totally. Because I mean, like no, you see the guys know. who don't have one and it's like, usually they're doing pretty good. Yeah, they seem like they're but, doing fine. And Much you, like a puppy seems like it's doing totally. fine. Totally. They're just like kind of going for it and yep. it, it works more often than it doesn't. And I think that we could all take a little bit of sense from that, you know? Like, Probably. Because th- there's guys that we both know who are objective losers and who have never made a good decision <laughs> in their entire lives, but they have the most confidence in themselves that this time it's going to be different, you know? But on and, the flip... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, and I just think that we all need... Like, if, if you can be self-aware and take a little bit of that energy, you're unstoppable. But I am my favorite conversation partner. I really enjoy, like, going back and forth just with myself. I mean, I really yeah. get me in a way that no one else seems to. I hear you, brother. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't... How do you feel about that? Because um, for me... That's why I can't have a relationship. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <that laughs> it has gotten in the way of all of mine. <laughs> I just always confuse myself. Like when I start. Yeah. I just confuse myself and fuck myself up. So, yeah, I'd, I I could like I've never experienced life the other way, but I feel pretty comfortable saying I could fucking leave this thing in the dust. I uh, Yeah, that's what I think. Well, OK, what do you mean by that? <laughs> Uh, just without a, a monologue or like, Oh, I see the monologue. without always being thinking about the, like, Oh, was that, was that a very woke of me or was that unwoke oh, of me? Yeah. I think that, <laughs> uh, something I'm trying to do is I guess, yeah. Like second guess myself more or less and just like be whatever and not worry about it. Yeah. But at the same time, 
It used to be a good thing. It used to mostly work for me. It's only the last couple of years that I'm kind of reassessing it. I used to really be obsessed with trying to make like 12-year-old Steven proud. Like that I had all these, uh, this guy that I thought I was trying to be and these goals, these notes I wanted to hit and I was going to go up there and hit them. And then it was only fairly like in the last couple of years, I'm like, I don't need to, I don't know that guy anything. Yeah. That's I've, interesting. I went the opposite way because yeah. uh, <clears throat> my therapist, you know, sorry to get all fucking therapy on you guys. Sorry to get all witch doctor on the podcast. <laughs> um, sorry to bring up something that's not real on Some the show. Pseudoscience. But yeah, my therapist told me like, the reason that I'm always so fucked up all the time is because, uh, you know, as a child, I felt like whatever. I can't remember what she said, but then she said, you got to like square things with your inner child. You got to ask the 12 year old version of you that's in you about like what he wants, you know, because he didn't get to pick what he wanted when he was the one that you were. And um, it makes me feel good, honestly, oh, nice. to talk to that fella, because uh, but I don't know if that's because I'm pretty much just doing what he wanted me to do or not. Yeah, I don't know. I think that there's like kind of a line that you have to walk with yourself. And I kind of had this realization uh, when I was on mushrooms, which we've disparaged realizations on when you were on mushrooms plenty of times. Yeah, I don't believe podcast. in them. Uh, but one thing I realized is I was kind of living through the same lens that I set from, or like I still had the, all the same goals I had when I was 16. Yeah. And like I want to be a comedian. I don't care about anything else. I just want to do comedy. I want the respect of my peers. And that's it. And then I kind of got there and I realized like, hey, these aren't like fully formed plans. Like you need to reevaluate. You shouldn't always be focused on uh, what would be dope when you were a teenager and, you know, what you thought would be cool at this literally the worst point in your life. Like that shit needs to evolve and change with who you are as a person. Like don't be beholden to your past self. Uh, fucking keep going on, keep evolving. That's yeah. the Jafar mistake, man. He thought he wanted all this power, and he didn't even have anything to do with Thank it. Thank Christ for bringing this back to Aladdin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. would you do with it if you had it, Jafar? That's something to think about. That's true. He like literally only wanted to get a girl to like him, who he thought he didn't even like her. He, he came like off her. as heavily asexual. Yeah, dude. He seemed like it was like a really, you know. It seemed like it was a veil so that nobody would question his relationship with the parrot too much. Yeah, he just needed to learn to love himself. Why man. did he bring the parrot into the tight-ass lamp with him? You want to <laughs> riddle me that, fellas? Oh, his last words were, get your beak out of my... And then there's like, ah... Because they're stuffed in there. Then they were inside of each other for all of eternity. Inside of each other for a long time. Hey, you want to know this comedy podcast? We should talk about one of the world's greatest comedians who did a voice on that. And that man's name... Gilbert Gottfried. Is Gilbert Gottfried! <laughs> when I was a kid, I thought Gilbert Gottfried was the hit of the show, and not Robin Williams. I went to school the next day and was <laughs> talking about how much I like Gilbert Gottfried and Aladdin. And uh, that was one of the first times I realized I was different than the other children. Damn, man. I loved Gilbert Gottfried. He honestly did such a good job in this movie. One yep. of my notes specifically was that I can't believe he didn't get typecast as a cartoon parrot after this. Like He was just so perfect for that role. Yeah. Yeah, I, I really like uh gilbert godfrey as iago in this movie um he i think he was my favorite character i um, man i fucking robin williams is Ro obviously robin williams is great and like a genius and uh, i'll never come close but also it's like you're just too much you're too much for me no too he is a lot energy. you know what i enjoyed it i thought i was gonna have your same takeaway i honestly am generally not a, the biggest robin williams fan in the world but like i fucking liked the genie bits I, I liked the genie bits, but they did like often lose me by the end of it. I, I was on board. I liked how fucking really some of them felt really like they were reaching, and I'm like, 
fuck it, man. You animated this. I'm here for it. I know? thought in his entire career, this was the best usage of Robin Williams it's, because yeah. it allowed him to go nuts. And with all his nonsensical improv, just here's a thousand jokes a second. And maybe you'll like two of them. And those will hopefully be the two you remember. But it was enough structure, even more so than Good Morning Vietnam, which was largely also improvised. But he still, he'd lose me in that one. This one was like, it was on the rails. This movie was moving. This was like yes. one of the best edited films I've ever seen. Very well edited. Every scene lasted the right amount of time and established character and moved the plot forward. And so he could only go so far in his wacky things. It gave him just the right amount of freedom and structure ratio. Well, totally. And I think I, I mentioned this too, but I, I, I really thought uh, it added a lot to the uh, song sequences too. Because yeah. that's a big kind of, you know, thing that takes me out of when I watch musicals is, you know, like you're watching a musical and then all of a sudden like the sets change, there's a big elaborate dance sequence and it all goes back to normal. It's like, that's cool. But like, what happened? Uh, and this, you could it almost gave you a license to write all that off because it was just the genie doing shit. Yep. And uh, I don't know. Call me a fucking dumbass child who needs magic to explain, you know, plot points. But I like that. Or yeah. Not even plot points, just fucking, you know, movie, why whatever. what is happening is exactly. happening. Exactly. Why is there a song happening right now? I the only time it threw me off is when background characters would start harmonizing. Like I had yeah. no problem believing Prince Ali is gonna sing a song as he walks by, but then when the girls were like doing some really nice harmonies like man who would have thought they would have been like improv trained and classical musicians i assume that the genie conjured them up i think he conjured most of the stuff but all of the i stuff? think this whole movie was a genie based fever dream yeah so this I brings us out. to the uh thesis of the podcast do you guys think it was all in aladdin's head <laughs> do you think aladdin was dead though? <laughs> like this time? he was starving to death and this was <laughs> the, the last firings of his starvation tinged yeah certainly fever yeah this movie pitched. turned into whole into a hallucination after he gave up the bread then yeah. it all it all devolved. actually that's a good fucking fan theory right there <laughs> i like that my favorite one is still that this took place in 1988 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why everyone thought it was so racist <laughs> but that aladdin was dying the entire time and then he finally dies at the end which would explain why both his like monkey friend and the tiger are all the and I don't know why the rug, what kind of agency did the rug have? Like, hey, you did know it what? have eyes? I got two crazy things I want to mention about the rug. First off, it was gendered. Did you guys notice that? They decided yes. it was a boy at one they point? Did. No, I did not notice that. <laughs> Explain to the folks at home what happened. Uh, they were, they, when they found the rug in the, uh, in the depths of the lion, uh, they were like... Cave of Wonders. Cave of Wonders. Uh, they, uh, I forget at one point, but... The, they were just like, oh, he's going over here in reference to the rug. <laughs> and it's like, D I didn't see a penis. Well, I I've mean, I th at the he kisses Jasmine's hand. That's how <laughs> I knew. But he doesn't have a mouth. He just rubs a part of him on Jasmine's hand in a French yeah, way. What part do you <laughs> French way? What part <laughs> could do you have think been his anus was? for all we knew? Uh, what I know about France. Yeah, I mean, probably was the butt at least. The other thing is probably some sort of patriarchy thing to be said about that. And then probably. also that uh, nobody really was that impressed. Apart from the Sultan, like when he brought it, like initially I agree. And checked it they out. took that in an awfully casual yeah, stride. Yeah, you know, of course. What? Yeah, of course it's not on the ground. Of course it's soaring through the air. Yeah, that might be a weird stereotype thing too. Like nobody's shocked that there's everybody. Like you're, they're just trying to set up that like everybody that's Arabic just like is used to flying carpets. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I guess when they see it, they're like, "Wow." It's a magic carpet. Not like, what the hell is that thing? Yeah, no, it's, it's the same reaction the magic as carpets. when I see like an Audi R8. I'm like, wow, is that an Audi R8? <laughs> it's not like, what is that? <laughs> 
Yeah, you know? I guess. I don't know. How would you react if you saw a carpet flying through the air carrying a prince and his monkey? Man, I'd have a lot of shit to consider. I yeah. don't even know if I'd react then. Like, I'd probably want to sit on that and react later and private to what I, I saw. I would have to rethink everything. Yeah, seriously. I have an idea of the world that would have just been shattered. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to react because I'd be busy pulling out Snapchat trying <laughs> to get a story going. World star! <laughs> shaky shot of some guy going through the air. <laughs> How fast is that carpet? It went from Greece to Egypt and then landed in China and got them back to Arabia by the end of the night. Like, was it teleporting? Even if it was supersonic, really there's no question. way you could make that trip. Uh, yeah, actually, a lot of people don't know this, but the carpet was, uh, it used to be the Flash, and then a witch transformed it. Uh, into is that canon? Yeah, it's, uh, it's in the book. Uh, I, uh, I did see one YouTube video I liked. Someone made an edit of the uh, It's an All New World sequence where uh, like it's an all new world, with, but with realistic audio. And they just played the clip, <laughs> but with like wind noises the entire time. You couldn't hear what anyone was saying. <laughs> That's a good clip. Hey, check that clip out. If you Shout out to that yeah, clip. Hey, Google that. Yeah. Look up what Look I described. Clip. <laughs> well done. Um, so what do you what do you guys think our parents learned from this movie? I think that uh, yeah, they learned to not care about money and just chase love and adventure, which I think is a mixed lesson. Yeah, I think that worked out to varying degrees of success for you know. Yeah, it's not a people. total loss of a lesson. It's like it's a good a half a mixed, lesson. Yeah, yeah. It's like yeah, it takes some of that, but like you know, it's not all the way there. You know what, though? If you do take that lesson and start living your life by it, you will very quickly learn the other half that's of the lesson. Exactly. Yeah, it that's took the me, thing. I swear it took me years. It took me mm. like 15 years Damn. to mm. figure out that at some point money would come in handy. So if you look like at it like were, that, me and Brad are very mature for our age. Oh, you yeah. were never like panicking about rent and stuff like that? Or you just didn't, you like genuinely just didn't care? I largely didn't care. I was, uh, I was always able to pay rent, though. I never went into debt. Like my big thing is I would work for a period of time until I had like a pile of money and then I'd quit and live off the pile. Hmm. And I was always able to find another job. I guess I was panicky while I was looking for a job because I never easily found a job. I'm a terrible job hunter. But um, interesting. Yeah, because for me, it's like I don't care about making money, but I do care every time I have to spend it. Don't have it. Yeah, there's a there was a Chris Rock joke that I heard at a very formative time in my life where he's like ah white people and black people black people are cool because we don't care when we're broke like i'm broke fuck it let's hang out and i was like gotcha that's how i'm gonna be too <laughs> <laughs> yeah you shouldn't base your life yeah. off a of chris rock joke. you know what's bad <laughs> of that my point, options it was the better bit <laughs> off that point though i am starting to realize how much of uh, my opinions i based off things i saw in comedy specials and took to be serious because yeah. people People tell you the truth is the funniest thing. And then yeah. you watch a stand-up special and you're like, oh, this is really funny. I guess it's all the truth. Yep. And uh, yeah, so I have some like weird opinions that are just like Aziz Ansari bits from fucking yeah, 2012. Man. Even just like little aspects of my who I am as a guy is based off of what I thought was like. I order Jameson ginger ales all the yep. time because Hannibal Burris orders one in a joke he has. That's it. I order Jaeger bombs all the time because friend of the show Simon Glassman once ordered one of those when we were doing a show in a bowling alley in Red Deer, and it came in one of those like plastic birthday party cups. You know what I mean? And uh, he sipped it. <laughs> and that was so funny to me that now I only drink Jaeger bombs. What a bit master! But what Man. I do think our parents learned from this is, um, yeah, that love is the main thing, and uh, that power is bad. 
I hope our parents learned that. Oh, I... yeah. That was, I was going to say, the 90s in general were terrified of power. Like, that's why it was so pro everything being primitive. Like, science was bad. You saw that in your uh, Jurassic Park episode, to yeah. a lesser extent, or Gattaca episode. Money was bad. You see this in, the, like, almost every 90s movie. Money is bad. Technology, uh, like, industrial power. All power is bad. The 90s were obsessed with returning to a state of nature. Which or... I don't fully I don't think I disagree with that. I don't honest. disagree I with that. I think power I do believe the cliche that power corrupts you. I, just I feel like we're too far gone to uh, revert back to that. I would say yeah. I actually strongly agree with it. I just think it's naive. Like that's why I picked Aladdin. I'm just going to remind the folks at home. There is movies I love more than Aladdin. That's this not is true. not my favorite movie. This is Steven's favorite. But movie. I wanted to bring up this exact point which was I also love that, but if you revert to a state of nature and just pay no attention to power and make yourself happy, you'll be happy for a while, but that leaves all that power up for grabs for other people, and God knows what they're going to do with it. Exactly. So it sucks, but you have to care a little bit, yep. even if you don't want to. If you want to feed the starving kid, you need to go get that bread. I think that's like a good uh, lesson for a, a, a other aspiring young fake woke folks that are listening is um, like, unfortunately, as much as we all you know, think power's gross and we want to, you know, redact all the people who have it. Um, we're going to need it at some point if we yep. want to change anything. Yeah, exactly. Someone's going to need to get some power. I, I agree. But woke folks are generally too naive. Sorry. My whole thing about it, though, is just like it's like the, my point of contention to be smart on the podcast since we're doing politics now is um, I think it would corrupt me. I genuinely believe if I was in charge of shit, I would abandon every single value i have and start just being a, a money guy i think i would let them frack in the mountains honestly well i think it's mm. important that you know that that's in you yeah and then to you know decide to not get power but i do think it's just in people i think like a bag i've said this before but like a bag of money is hard to turn down Oh yeah, dude. Yeah. I always, I, I mean, would take a bag it's of money. always so much easier to pay all the comedians equally on our comedy shows before they give us the wad of cash. Yeah. And then I mm -hmm. see that big wad of cash and I'm like, I could have all of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's been a couple of times where I was like, I should just run off with this. Oh dude. Like when I was hosting El Cortez, they'd pay me in five. So it was just like a comical stack of money. And I paid everybody reasonably for the show, and I had so much left over that I paid everybody again because I just didn't <laughs> like that feeling. <laughs> like, oh, man, yeah. I fucking hate wealth. But it, this also goes back to what we were saying earlier. This isn't the theme of the movie, but I'd say this is the theme of our podcast. This podcast is uh, moderation and everything. Yeah. Indeed, which isn't fun to say, but it is true. I think what we should learn from this movie is, like, as our modern day society since a new one just came out i think we should learn that uh hey split up that power baby split that you power. don't need all the fucking power no. split that power you don't need all the power i don't want it ladies if you're listening take the power i renounce the patriarchy yeah you, you can... want it you got it you're not gonna enjoy it nearly as much as you think you are listen you. ladies you can cut your hair short you i'll grow it. my <laughs> hair long We'll yeah. fucking renounce the patriarchy. <laughs> Flip it up. We'll renounce it so hard. It's all yours. I also like how this was the wokest movie Disney could make. Like, this was the wokest thing in the world in 1993. And yeah, now totally. It's just riddled with patriarchy and pro-wealth stuff, oh, pro-industrialist yeah. stuff. Don't even get me started about how all the voice actors in this movie are white guys. Indeed. Wait, even Jasmine? Yeah, even Jasmine. No, she's a white woman. 
Because, yeah, I was going to look that up, uh, but then I forgot. Yeah, but no, everyone... That was the hunch that I had. All the VAs are white in this movie. I did like how That's only shame, two of them were famous. I don't like VAs who are celebrities. I like hard-working... Yeah, v- no, me too. I'm, you know, VAs. I want, <laughs> I want the guys who just do, like, a million voices. Yeah, give I me a, a good VA voice. in a fucking union. Give, give me, me a, a fucking, Phil Lamar. Yeah, give me a Troy Baker. Give me a fucking uh, Dan Castellenta. Yeah, give Dan me a fucking, Castellenta. Uh, Billy West. Billy West. I don't I mean, know uh, who plays uh, H. John Benjamin. Uh, yeah, he's got one voice though. In all that's fairness, that's true. He's got one, but it's voice. amazing that it's it works one. for different characters. Oh yeah, uh, who's uh, who's the guy who plays uh, John DiMaggio? Ooh, that guy fucking yeah. rocks. I like he's, him. He's good at everything. Yeah, I'm a big Joe DiMaggio guy. <laughs> the Yankee Clipper. Oh, never mind. I thought <laughs> I thought it was a mob boss. <laughs> <laughs> he's a baseball player, but he married Marilyn Monroe. Well, then I'm a big John Dillinger guy. How about that? <laughs> there you go. Well, <laughs> Stephen, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, I, but yes, I would like to plug the movie Last of the Mohicans, which I really liked when Simon Glassman argued that Jurassic Park was objectively the best movie of all time. He made a good case, but Last of the Mohicans is actually the best movie is of all time. Last of the Mo- No, it's, I'm thinking of Apocalypse. I've never seen this movie. It's not funny. But other than that, it's the best movie of all time. And I also love Apocalypto. It's one of my favorite movies. My favorite genre is anything with tomahawks. That is not phobic. (laughs) And if you want to argue it is, have me on your podcast. I'll prove to you those are all progressive films. Yeah, I mean, honestly, a tomahawk is a cool weapon. It's a super cool weapon. There's nothing wrong with thinking. That gets thrown, has feathers on it. What more do you want? I will stand by you on that. I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking weapons are cool. I think bow and arrows are cool. I also think guns are cool. <laughs> Nothing wrong with either of those yeah, I wish, I genuinely wish I didn't agree with that statement, but I do. As much as I condemn violence, I am intoxicated by violence. And then I'll add, by the way, as long as I'm arguing with you guys, Roger Ebert was right about Fight Club. It is seductive. But anyways. It uh, is seductive. Yeah, you guys ever just hold a knife and think about all the stuff you yes, can do with I it? Yes, I can't stop. Wait, <laughs> hold on. I'm constantly <laughs> slashing people's throats. So your argument is that uh, starting a fight club seemed like a good idea after you watched that movie? Oh, okay. That, like this, If you just want a general commentary on your podcast, the most interesting part of it to me is how much stuff you guys find incredibly obvious that I'm like, I assure you at the time, no one got that. <laughs> like the, I really loved your episode on uh, Starship Troopers because it was mostly about how I am wrong. It was uh, <laughs> very much directed at a Facebook comment I made. <laughs> I was thinking about that a lot that week. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, anyway, I was re- the main reason why I disagree is there's things that you're like, well, obviously this. I'm like, no, most people miss that. And I swear, when Fight Club came out. Everyone in high school the next day was punching each other. It was the funnest thing <laughs> in the world. We sick. all started fight clubs and punched each other. And it took us months to be like, oh, that movie actually was about more than just how fun it is to punch people. Well, that's how they get it's you. Interesting. That's, how they, that's, that's how they that sink is, their hooks into you and get, get you to question the other, the other part. Yep, yep, yep. I guess maybe it's because we watched it like already knowing that uh, a fight club is a bad idea. Yeah, well, yeah. and also like that's, you know, the people have had that movie cracked for like 20 yeah. years by you the guys time and when you things. guys saw it like you hadn't met a fight club guy before exactly oh your other as long as i just keep commenting on past episodes you guys had the fear and loathing guys the fight club guys tarantino guys 
there's all kinds of guys who like things that I like, but I, I've come to realize anyone who likes something a ton is going to be obnoxious. Totally. No matter what kind of guy you are, even if the thing is great, you're bad. Yeah, Don't I felt be bad any for, kind of a guy. For, I'll just address this now that we're on the topic. I did feel bad for how like aggressively we bullied that one fear and loathing guy <laughs> without saying any jokes. Like we, It really wasn't like comedy or art in any way. It was literally just us being like fuck look you look at this nerd <laughs> yeah. and he loves a great thing fear and loathing is one of the best written books oh i yeah, think it's awesome read. too i love hunter s thompson yeah. for his contribution to journalism i and all. totally you know, agree I like though pros and all that stuff but like goddamn i is that guy a fucking twat yeah i'd like to apologize <laughs> for what i did but i also would like to stand by it <laughs> i would like to double down <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. Thanks for listening. I'm oh, at I'm the comic strip Sydney this week. Rivers, uh, thing on uh, the Grindstone at August 6th. There's a comedy show. You should go to that. August 6th? Yeah. At the Grindstone? Yeah. What time? Uh, 7 o'clock. I'm at the comic strip this week, I think. If I'm not there, that's fine too. Uh, what are you up to? Um, well, uh, me and Brad are going to be hosting uh, shows at the comic strip every Wednesday in August, so make sure you come out to those. Um, one of us is going to be hosting. The other guy is going to be doing a spot. It'll be very fun. Uh, on the 23rd, me and Brad are going to be in Medicine Hat together uh, with Natasha Lynn Miles. And that's in August. Oh, that is in August. It's almost the end of July. Yes, August 23rd, <laughs> Medicine Hat. You weren't referring to the past. Also, said the 23rd. It's August 21st. It's August 21st, baby. We're referring to Medicine Hat. As it turns August out. 21st. August 22nd, I'm in Red Deer at the fucking Lanes. So if you're listening to this from Red Deer, which you're not, come down to the bowling alley. Yeah, I'll be I'll be there probably in September or August. It'll be a good fucking time. Um, oh, and I'll be at the comic strip at uh, the first week in September. Anyway, uh, Stephen, what's the name of your, uh, your uh, new com your new debate comedy show? Oh, uh, it's gonna be called Live Laugh Debate. Uh, the first uh, episode will be at the comic strip. I don't remember the exact date, but the third Sunday of September. At the comic strip. Please, um, you guys come out to this. I did, uh, me and Brad have both done the online versions of this show. And it was like one of the most com fun comedy shows I've ever done. Like, you guys are going to have a great time. It's my greatest contribution to world culture so far. I would say so. Mine it's after Kyle's your appearances idea. on this podcast. Yeah, obviously. My greatest contribution is inventing streetwear. <laughs> I was actually the first guy to do that. That's a good one. Yeah. Well. Thanks for listening. Your parents watch this. Brought to you by Comedy Here Often. Mwah, mwah.